real quick intro. Um, last week we had Jody Romero here with us, and, and Jody is part of the apostolic team um, that, that we're in partnership with. And, and I want to read a passage from Ephesians 4, and I'm reading it out of the New Living. It's cool how it kind of gives, kind of sheds light. Uh, Ephesians 4, verse 11. Now, these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. Okay, these are the gifts he gave. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So, as pastors, that's what our job is, is to equip the church, to bring us to this point of growth and maturity. And last week when we brought in Jody Romero, um, who was a busy dude, we, we just took advantage of every moment that, that Jody and Vanessa and Zeke were with us, um, Jody spoke not as a guest speaker. We, we rarely have guest speakers. He spoke as an apostolic voice into this church. And so what we do to honor that gift is we take the week after that they have, have spoken, that they have shared, and they have unpacked truth to us, and we dig deeper. We dig deeper. We don't just move on to the next preach um, because we feel like it's a, it's a matter of honor and trust and acknowledging those gifts that Christ has given to the church. So, that said, um, Chris Herman, is, uh, he, he's on our pastoral team. He's going to be unpacking that truth today. Let's welcome Chris up. Thank you so much for that amazing introduction. Uh, as Mark said, um, my name is Chris Herman. I'm part of the, the uh, pastoral team here at Impact Rock. Um, I just wanted to welcome everyone, welcome everyone and just say uh, uh, thank you for joining us this morning, whether you're here in our, our facility or watching us online. Uh, we're, we're so blessed to have you all joining us, and, and thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, my wife, Sarah, and I were part of the pastoral team here, like I mentioned, and we're actually getting ready to uh, celebrate an anniversary. Tomorrow is one year to the day that we accepted the calling and, and were ordained as pastors right here on this stage. Right here. So yes, uh, a, a big milestone for us, and thank you so much for that. Um, as part of the pastoral team here, like Mark mentioned, we have the honor and privilege of uh, leading people to Jesus. Uh, we, we truly feel like that's our mission here at Impact Rock to lead and point Jesus to Je lead and point people to Jesus. And today I have the additional honor and privilege of recapping the message that Jody presented with us last week. Like Mark mentioned, Jody's a, a, a partner of ours through the NCMI organization, and uh, it's just an absolute uh, privilege to be able to unpack his message from last week. If you missed his message, I absolutely, positively recommend that you guys go check it out on YouTube. Not right now, though. <laughs> Uh, so first off, let me just open us up in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, you are worthy of all of our praises. Through your goodness, we are alive and able to gather and worship only you. We praise and thank you for all that you've given us, Lord. We thank you for the worship service this morning, and please bless me and allow me to deliver your message, not mine, this morning. 
In Jesus' mighty, mighty name, amen. All right. Uh, let me start out by saying, wow. Jody and Vanessa Romero are amazing. How awesome was it to, to get to know them and spend some time with them last week? Uh, they are just on fire for Jesus. Um, it was such a blessing to spend time with them. We, we were blessed to have them Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Um, they loved on our church, and they poured out their hearts for all of us. They were just amazing. Jody and Vanessa are the visionary pastors of Restoration LA in East Los Angeles. They planted Restoration LA in March of 2010. Ironically, Impact Rock was formed January of 2010 by Mark and Kara Harper. So just a couple months apart. Uh, Mark shared the story last week uh, of when he met Jody. I can't remember how many years ago. Do you remember? Roughly 11 years ago, so around that same time, when he met Jody, and they just instantly became friends. Um, and here they are 11 years later, still extremely close. And not only that, but their friends, or I'm sorry, their families have become extremely close as well. Um, I, I, I like to look at Jody and think he's a Hispanic version of Mark out in L.A., and Mark's a bald version of, uh, of Jody here in Erie. <laughs> They're very similar. If you, uh, we, as a church, are very honored anytime Jody's able to join us. Um, and Mark mentioned this. He stole my thunder. We don't see him as a guest speaker. We truly see him as a member of our family. He's a member of the IRC family. He just happens to live a thousand miles away. Uh, he's kind of like that really cool cousin from L.A. who comes to visit a couple times a year. And we always want him to bring his carne asada with him. He mentioned that last week, so I had to put that in, in the message. Also, we had the added bonus this time. Uh, last time he was here, uh, he came alone. This time he had his wife and his uh, son, Zeke. Zeke is number three out of his kids. Uh, so it was just amazing to have them here. Uh, Zeke plays the drums, and if you guys missed last Sunday's service and Saturday's service for youth, you definitely missed out. He did an amazing job on the drums, and it was so nice seeing, seeing him play. Um, and like I said, Thursday, or I'm sorry, Saturday night, we had the NCMI youth event here, and they just absolutely rocked it. It was, a, it was an amazing service. Um, Vanessa started out the service last week uh, praying for over our service, praying over our church. And if you were here or saw it online, you know she is a mighty prayer warrior. She just knows how to pray. She's got fire. She's got passion. Um, let me just say, I am glad to say she is on our side and not the enemy's side. She knows how to pray with fierce passion. One thing she reminded us is about praise. Praise unifies people. If you want, a, if you want unity, you will be praising the Lord. Also, Vanessa shared Psalms 62 verses 5 through 8. If you can open up your Bible or your Bible app, Psalm 62, 5 through 8. It says, yes, my soul, find rest in God. My hope comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. And I've just got to 
acknowledge I don't say that with nearly as much passion as Vanessa did. She is just very passionate. Uh, here are some key takeaways that I got from that passage. He alone is my rock. He alone is my salvation. He alone is my fortress. And he alone is my refuge. And I will not be shaken. Just very powerful words in that, in that message. So then Jody uh, transitioned us into evangelism. What's the definition of evangelism? It is the spreading of the Christian gospel by public preaching or personal witness. Jody spoke about evangelism, and he quoted a study conducted by Lifeway Research. He said that 55% of all Christians say that they have never shared with others how to become a Christian. 55%. I don't know about you, but that statistic is pretty scary and disturbing. Friends, unfortunately, in our day and age, it is unpopular to speak about Jesus or, or religion. So how do we change that? I have an idea. And please excuse me for a second. There's a little bit of sarcasm in this comment. Let's just sit back and wait for the other person to step forward and spread the news of, of Jesus. Let's let that person step forward and fix, fix that problem. Let's just let someone else talk about Jesus. Let someone else tell them that they're a Christian. We should just let someone else do that, right? Because we all know it's uncomfortable to talk about Jesus and to talk about religion. The answer is no. We, do, we should not sit back and just let someone else do that. So I have a question for everyone, and you don't need to raise your hands, but how many of you can remember the exact time and place when you accepted Jesus as your Savior? I remember the exact time. Now I'm going to get choked up. I was hoping I wouldn't. But I always ask Sarah. I always get choked up whenever I mention this story. I remember the exact time, the exact date. It was December 3rd, 2006. I also remember the exact location when I was saved or where I was saved. It was North Rock Church in Thornton, Colorado. And I remember exactly what was happening in my life and why I longed for a relationship with Christ so much at that time. Now, are you ready for a really cool story? Ties in with that. Most of you know I have a carpet cleaning business here in, in Erie. North Rock Church is one of my clients, and I get to visit them every year to clean their carpets and a ton of chairs. They have about 300 chairs that we get to clean. So every year I get, go back, I get to go back to North Rock Church, and every year I stand in that spot where... Sorry. Every year I look forward to standing in that spot where I said yes. Where I accepted, I accepted that invitation. Someone was on the stage and delivered that invitation, and I raised my hand, and I accepted it. And it was such an amazing experience, Lord, for, for, for me. I'll never forget it. So I, I assume most of you have that exact same situation, that same awesome experience where you said yes for the first time. Friends and family of Impact Rock, here's a more difficult question. Why would we not share that invitation 
with everyone we know, with others, with non-believers. It is the greatest gift that we could possibly share with any other person in our lives. So, so Jody mentioned his, his history. He grew up in L.A., and he is confident that God called him to L.A. to start a church in the City of Angels. Los Angeles stands for the City of Angels. Jody also mentioned that God is building only one thing here on earth, the church. That is God's main purpose here on earth, is to build the church. Jody shared a quote from D.L. Moody, and here it is. It is clear you don't like my way of doing evangelism. You raise some good points. Frankly, I sometimes do not like my way of doing evangelism, but I like my way of doing it better than your way of not doing it. So good. Such an amazing quote. So I had to dig into that a little bit more. I wasn't familiar with D.L. Moody. Um, I can admit that. I'm sorry. So, of course, I had to go out and Google D.L. Mo Moody. Anyone who knows me knows that I love Google. I'm constantly on my phone Googling things. I am Mr. Google. I absolutely love to Google things. I like to find answers to questions. So I looked up D.L. Moody. It actually stands for Dwight L. Moody. He was an American evangelist who lived in Massachusetts in the late 1800s, around the time of the Civil War. He gave up his lucrative boot and shoe business in Massachusetts to devote his life to evangelism. In Chicago, he built one of the major evangelical centers in the nation. It's still active today. So, I found tons and tons of quotes from D.L. Moody. I found, I picked out three that I, that I really liked. So here are three more quotes from D.L. Moody I wanted to share with you. The Bible will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from the Bible. Give your life to God. He can do more with it than you can do with it. And the third one, everybody wants to enjoy heaven after they die, right? But they don't want to be heavenly-minded while they're living. So just some, some great words to chew on there. Um, I just have to say, ouch. Some of those quotes strike a nerve. I, I have to admit, they, they are, those, those words are extremely true, but they're also ooh, painful. Not painful, but just kind of catch your attention. So Jody also reminded us that God has given us every reason, reason to be his living witnesses here on earth. Friends, as member of the church body, it is our duty and our responsibility to share and spread the good news of Jesus and his gospel. And I'm not sure who, who quoted this, but it instantly came to mind. If not us, then who? If not when? If not now, then when? Let me say that again. If not us, then who? If not now, then when? So then Jody moved into the Great Commission. He reminded us that we are all mandated from God to accept the calling of evangelism. Salvation is at the forefront of, Father, of our Father's will. Again, if you can open up your Bibles to Matthew 18, verse 14. It says, in the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. Like I said, 
Salvation is at the forefront of our Father's will. He doesn't want anyone to perish. And then I have to comment, I absolutely loved how Jody broke down the, the, the concept of the Great Commission. He actually called it the Great Co-Mission because we get to complete this mission with Jesus as his co-pilot. How cool is that? Immediately I thought, maybe I went to the wrong high school. I definitely don't remember Jesus' co-pilot as an available job you get to choose on career day. If so, I would have chosen that. The most famous account of the Great Commission can actually be found in the book of Matthew. It tells the story of the resurrected Jesus instructing his disciples to spread his teachings to all the nations of the world. So again, if you can open up to Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20, and this is NIV version. So then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some still doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey. Repeat that word, obey teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the, of the age. So that last verse, verse 20, has a word that can sometimes trip people up, including me. That word is obey. Luckily, I was able to go to my Google and find the definition of the word obey. It says, to follow the commands or guidance of, to conform to or comply with, so how many people, raise their hands, just love obeying other people? Sometimes we do because we need to, but we don't love it. Uh, and then here's also a biblical definition of the word obey. To hear God's word and act accordingly. So that one's a little bit easier to, to uh, conform with. You know, we hear God's word, we want to comply with God's word. So basically... God isn't asking us to go out and be a witness to others. He is telling us to go out and be a witness to others. To obey the command to evangelize to others. Friends, obedience is so important if we want to walk with Christ. Obedience demonstrates our faith and our trust in God, our Heavenly Father. So then Jody transitioned into a couple parables, three parables exactly, from uh, the book of Luke. And I'm not going to read all of them, but I am going to mention them here and just show some similarities. Uh, there's three parables. Uh, first one is the parable of the lost sheep. You can find that in Luke chapter 15, verse 7. Second one is the parable of the lost coin in Luke 15:10, And the third one is the parable of the lost son, Luke 15:32. Like I said, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. These three parables tell us that no matter how long we have been lost in sin or how far away we have strayed, it's never too late to turn our hearts back to God. Never too late. Let that sink in. It's never too late. Let's say that out loud. It's never too late. It's never too late to change our sinful ways. 
It's never too late to return home. And it's never too late to accept Jesus as our Savior. Jody reminded us there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than the 99 others who are righteous and have never strayed away. So then we have the story of the banquet table. The story of the banquet table can be found in Luke chapter 14, verses 12 through 24. As Christians, we are expected and commanded to invite others to the banquet table. Unfortunately, sometimes we become too consumed with our place at that table. And we're all guilty of it. We're, we're, we're too consumed with how we are going to be seated at that table, where we're going to be sitting next to the person of honor, where, if, where we're going, going to be interacting with our, other people. God is telling us that more important than that seat at the table is the invitation. Jesus is reminding us the invitation is far more important than the position of, of, that we have at that table. Friends, do not worry about your place at the table. The good news is we all have a seat at the table. The day we responded to our invitation, and I'm getting choked up again, the day we responded to our invitation and said yes to the Lord, we, had our, we got our, our seat at that table. We don't need to fight for that seat. Like I said, that day for me was December 3rd, 2006. A monumental day in my life. I'll never forget it. So God is asking us also, now that we all need to be servants of God, servants of Christ, and we are supposed to be going out with those invitations and inviting in the lost, inviting in the sinners, inviting in those who have not accepted Christ. Jesus is commanding us, not asking us, commanding us, every one of us, to personally, personally deliver these invitations. Why? So that his house, his father's house, will be full. Jesus doesn't want us to just sit on the bench. Here's a football analogy. He doesn't want us sitting on the bench. He doesn't want us to just sit back and wait for that other person to extend that invitation. He wants every one of us to be getting off that bench, jumping in the game, and extending those invitations ourselves. So here's an interesting verse. This one uh, we should have pulled up. Romans 10, 14. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? So this next comment really struck me when I went through my notes and reread and, and listened to Jody's message a couple times. Basically, it's talking about the second coming of Christ, right? But there are plenty of people on this planet who still don't know about the first coming of Christ. That just, just blew me away. I mean, I think about it, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense, but it's just so amazing to think there are people that have never even heard of the first coming of Christ. So a big factor or a big 
message that Jody was relaying to us was the mandate. And, and Mark mentioned it in our pre-service prayer, and it just struck home with me. The mandate is, it's not, it's not voluntary. It, it, it is, we should have urgency around the mandate. We should all feel that urgency. We should all feel that need, that desire, that burning desire to invite others. Like I said, that, that statistic of 55% of the people that have not been, or, or do not, they're Christians, they've already said yes, but they don't know how to invite others. That is a huge, huge percentage. Um, so we just need to be more urgent on that, Lord. Um, one thing I was going to mention, at the end of, of uh, Jody's preach, he was talking about his personal life, and it just really struck home with me. Um, they have six kids, three of them through, and, and they, they broke it up into th two batches. They have batch one, which is their three older kids, biological, and then they have batch two, three younger kids, through adoption. I think it's hilarious that they call their kids batch one and batch two. And, in fact, if you remember, their youngest kid is only two years old. She's officially not a Romero yet. The adoption is finalized in two days. How awesome is that? So, like I said, Jody shared his, his uh, story of growing their family through adoption. He shared some of their ups and downs. Obviously, he was only up here for a certain period of time. There's no way he could share all of his ups and downs. And as most of you know, Sarah and I share something very similar with the Romeros. We also have expanded our family through adoption. Our two oldest kids, Bella and Christian, let's call them our first batch of kids. They're, they're the biological kids. And then our three younger kids, Robert, Tana, and Sam, they're batch number two. I'm stealing that term from the Romeros. Sarah and I know all too well that foster care and adoption isn't an easy road. And, and Jody and Vanessa know that as well. There's definitely ups and downs. Just let me go into our story a little bit here. We decided, Sarah and I were married many years ago, and we decided to pursue adoption at that time. And it takes several years, tons of classes, home visits, background checks. I mean, we had to do all these different things. We went through the whole process and it took about a year and a half for us to get officially approved. And then the second week of December, we got a letter from the agency that we were going through that says, we apologize, we have some bad news, we're closing our doors at the end of the year. We were, we were, we were devastated. We had gone through all that work. We, we had gotten approved through them they were closing their doors and we're not going to be able to help us any longer. So that was a major roadblock for us. You know, we doubted. Do we, are we meant to do this? Are we meant to continue going? And we did. Luckily, the, the agency set us up with some other agencies who were taking over their clients. So we moved to a second agency. However, we had to go through, we didn't have to go through 100% of the training again, but we had to go through a lot of it. We had to go through a lot of the certifications, a lot of the training. We had to meet new caseworkers, new people coming into our house to inspect everything. Uh, we had to go through background checks with them again. My parents had to go through background checks with them because they helped us out with watching the kids. Uh, so just a very lengthy process, tons of, of paperwork, tons of time, and we still pursued it. 
we still went through the second agency and got, it, got approved through the second agencies. I do have to admit, though, at times we doubted if this was really our calling. But we kept saying, yes, this is it. This is what we are meant to do. Then it got really tough. Losing the agency was tough, but not nearly as tough as the next stage. They started presenting us with kids that needed to be adopted. And, and way back when, when we first started the adoption process, we wanted the baby. We wanted a newborn baby just like everyone, not everyone, but a lot of people that enter adoption, they want that newborn baby that they can just have from day one. And they get to name that kid, and that, you know, that kid only knows you as mom and dad. But we decided early on in our process, we would rather go through the foster care system. We decided that we would rather adopt a sibling group, whether it was our choices, we wanted either two, three, or four kids. We were open to two, three, or four, and on top of our two biological kids. And when we talked to our two biological kids, at the time they were eight and six. I just came up with that. Thanks, Sarah. They were eight and six, and we talked to them about this, and they knew we were going through the whole process. And Bella, our oldest, said, I want to make sure we have at least a, a, a sister. What do you think Christian said? I want to make sure we at least have a brother. So we're like, yes, that was one of our stipulations. We wanted at least three kids. We wanted at least one boy, at least one girl. And here's something funny that Christian said. I don't know if he remembers this. He probably doesn't, but he's probably heard the story. He wanted a twin brother. And we're like, okay, but that's impossible. You do realize that, right? You can't have a twin brother. So anyways, we go through the whole process. Here's, where, here's the, the painful part. They presented us with a couple different groups of kids, and for various reasons, it just didn't feel right. We had to say no to a couple different groups of kids. It didn't feel right for us. It, 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 would, it would have been too damaging to our existing kids who were eight and six at the time. So we had to say no to two different sibling groups. And after that, Sarah and I, we were really questioning, <laughs> questioning if this is what we should be doing. And we kept going to the Lord, and, and, and we just we knew in our hearts that we were meant to adopt. So we did proceed. The, the third group of kids that they presented to us were Robert, Tana, and Sam. And, and when they present them to us, they present them to us on paper. So we get, to see their, we get to see pictures of them and get to see just some details about them on paper, but that's it. And if we, if we want to pursue it, then we set up a meeting. And this was back in 2012. August of 2012, we're like, yes, these kids, we want to meet them. They could be our kids. And so we met them at a park down in Colorado Springs, and spent the day with them. And Sarah and I, I, we already knew this, but probably about 20 minutes into that play date, Christian and Robert both came running up to us. And they said, guess what? We share a birthday. One year apart. The two of them share a birthday one year apart. And Sarah and I already knew that. And we just, we thought that was so amazing. So anyways, the two boys they came running to us and told us that. And we're like, yeah, this, this is it. These kids are meant for us. So that was uh, one Saturday afternoon. The following week, they came and stayed at our house for a sleepover. And then the following week, on August 31st, they moved in for good, 2012. So unfortunately, we had another, another uh, roadblock after that. It still took 14 months for the adoption to become finalized. But we pursued. We, we persevered. And, and we got through that time. And on, on October 25th, 2013, they officially became Hermans.
and we became we became the Herman Seven. So I just want to just point out that we truly felt called to pursue that part of our life, and we we stepped out in obedience to God, and our life is forever changed. We forever changed the lives of these three kids. They forever changed the lives of us. <clears throat> sorry, sorry. Try not to cry. So, as I wrap this up this morning, there may be some of us here this morning who are struggling with things, whether you're watching in person or watching online. All of us have struggles. There may be someone who's feeling pain of life's hardships, especially over this last couple years. There may be someone who's going through hard times and needs additional prayer. Well, guess what? You're in luck. We are a praying church. We love to pray. If you need prayer, please come forward. We have plenty of prayer warriors here that would love to pray with you, link arms with you, just listen to you, pray with you, talk to you, give you a Bible if you don't already have a Bible, and help you accept that invitation to accept Christ if you have not already done that as well. If you're joining us online and you'd feel more comfortable, or even if you're someone here in the church, if you'd feel more comfortable reaching out to us via email and we can communicate that way before we meet, you can always reach us at contact at impactrock.com. One of us will get back in touch with you. Please give us your name, phone number, easiest way to reach you. We'd love to reach out with you and link arms and just help you through whatever struggles you're, you're experiencing. And I have another tough question for you. If you haven't trusted your life to the Lord already, what are you waiting for? Salvation is made possible by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Savior. So, let me leave us with this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. God bless you and have a good week, everyone. Thank you.